Praise God. You ready for some word today? If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and get them out. If you have a Bible app on your phone, go ahead and get that opened up. Get fired up. Get your note pages out, whatever you can use to write something down on. Uh, I want to continue today uh, this series I've been in called Why? And, and our opening text is Deuteronomy chapter 29. If you could find that passage with me, that would serve you the best uh, if you can look at it with your own eyes. Uh, this is, just FYI, the fourth part in a series, okay? And uh, its truths stand alone and on their own by themselves. However, it's not the only truth. It's one of many, and we've been building upon uh, in, in consecutive weeks the various answers and understanding needed to, at, to answer questions in the why category. Say, why is it called Why? Because I can't put all the questions in the title, because there would be an endless list of things people have wondered about in life. And so let's continue on today uh, answering the why questions. Deuteronomy chapter 29, beginning in verse 29, reads, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. And so again, let me uh, reference that there are two categories of information uh, talked about here. There is that which is secret. It belongs to the Lord. I don't necessarily have access to that. And God is infinite and unlimited, and so I can't even fathom how much He knows. <laughs> but there is another category of that which has been revealed to us. The average person today operates on only a fraction of the knowledge that God has revealed. And so that's where we're seeking Him for answers, direction, instruction. Jesus said, if you'll know the truth, the truth will make you free. And so we want to know truth. And to have honest, heartfelt, even sometimes gut-wrenching questions is fine. You're, God's not concerned by that. I have a question that's really difficult. You have a really smart God. And asking and seeking and inquiring about things you don't understand or don't know is in no way offensive to Him. He wants us to know. He wants us to come into the light of the knowledge that He has. Uh, I believe that it would be important for us, though, to not act like things are a mystery when they're not. In other words, there are some things that have occurred, some events that have transpired in a negative sense, and we want to act like, I just don't understand why this happened, when in reality we do. If you do, don't play dumb. <laughs> Own it. Acknowledge it. If you really know why, then don't pretend you don't. But if you're in a category, you've dealt with situations, and you honestly don't know the reason and why it's taken place, then your questions are totally valid. But I want to encourage everyone today to see this, this teaching, what we've already said, what we're sharing today, as an opportunity, not as a chance to be condemned over past mistakes. Does that make sense? See, I can share a real powerful truth and one person will take it and they'll become hopeful, they'll become energized, they'll become ready and prepared for the future, whereas someone else will take that same information and they'll look backwards and say, man, I blew it, 
man, why didn't I do this? How come this didn't happen? You know, and they start, basically they're handing the devil a club to beat him up over things that happened that maybe could have been avoided. I, so quite a few years ago, I was teaching in a small Bible study and just sharing some of the principles of God's Word and how the kingdom works. And, and uh, there was a woman there in that particular group. Uh, I could see just kind of by her demeanor and then by her words afterward that she was getting beat up. She was feeling condemned as I'm teaching this wonderful, life-changing, empowering message. She's taking it the wrong way. And, uh, and come to find out what was happening is she had a child that was diabetic. And as I began to teach about some of the authority and different things, she started feeling guilty for, for letting her child... Um, you know, suffer that way. She thought, I could have done something. I could have helped, and I didn't. And so I, I said, what? You said, you're taking this the wrong way. You're letting this truth be used in a backward way by the enemy to make you feel bad. Stop right there. You didn't know. You would never for a moment, you know, let your child be afflicted on purpose. You would, you would do everything in your power to stop that. And so uh, I want to make sure we receive these things in, in, in the right way. If I were to ask, or if it's presented to me about a problem, a storm, a negative situation in life, what's the reason for it? Without even giving it much thought at all, I'm going to, my kind of first reaction is this. Well, it's got to be either you're doing the wrong thing or you're being attacked by the enemy. Those are kind of my go. That's not the full answer, but those are kind of my go-to answers. I would first go. I would first ask myself, did, you know, did I? Am I in disobedience to God, or no, I'm not. So, is this an attack of the devil? That seems logical to me, but I know in the era of information and much religious teaching, people insert all kinds of answers that come before the obvious, and people start wondering. What's God doing and why is God letting this happen? We shouldn't even be thinking that way. That is a religious mentality that must be wiped out of our, of our thinking process. Even in the Old Covenant, you know this part of the Bible? That part? Before Jesus? <laughs> before the, the example of God's love and grace? Before people knew so much of what we know, we know today? When things were going wrong, people didn't take that as God is teaching us a lesson. They took it as, where's the blessing? Something is wrong here. We need to cry out to God because He's not having His way. And yet, sometimes in our, in our current day, people sometimes think about bad events as being a part of God's design. Serious? I mean, that's just, not, that's just crooked thinking. And so we want to approach it because basically you erase the rest of my series if you think that way. <laughs> because if God, if God wants to wreck your life, it stinks to be you. Because <laughs> how are you going to overpower him? How are you going to overcome in that situation? And uh, I know that there are various reasons why negative things take place. Because of that, there are also various responses. This is not a uh, one-size-fits-all, you know, cookie-cutter approach. This is the answer in every situation for everything. Um, but there are various methods of overcoming. Today, I want to share with you a little bit about unique situations, and it has to do with satanic attack, or you could say demonic attack. 
And it's interesting to me that you can hear modern theologians trying to solve the mysteries of life and why things go south, and often this is not even mentioned. It's just all God, 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 and there's no mention of a devil. How many understand if you read this book, you're going to have to recognize there is an enemy. There is one who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's really out there. And I recognize some have gone into a ditch on the other side. And everything's a devil. <laughs> Every other word out of their mouth is demon this and warfare this. And they have more warfare than worship and they're warped. And, and, we, and we, need it. we don't want to go in that ditch, you know. You, you step on the Lego in the night and, and experience great anguish and pain. I, I understand and, and your pain, but that wasn't the devil. <laughs> that was the Lego. It wasn't really a spiritual event. God didn't set it up. Your child did. And they should be disciplined. <laughs> Amen. But I, <laughs> but I taught previously how some negative events transpire simply because we have opened the door through our disobedience. Let's not forget that. That's a reality. God said go right and we went left and we want to act like, I don't understand. Yes, we do. <laughs> he says go one way. He's trying to save us from the negatives of the other path. And so our obedience would be essential. And so it's getting out of the will of God. But here's my question for you today. Do negative things ever happen when we're in the will of God? We are following His plan to the best of our knowledge. We're doing His will. We're not in disobedience or rebellion. We're doing what He says, and stuff still happens. Is, is, is that a reality? Is that true? All right, I want you to turn with me, if you would, to the book of Mark. It's your favorite book, right? <laughs> the book of Mark, chapter 4. I think we can quickly come to a... Uh, an understanding that the answer to that question is yes. But again, it's a different scenario. I'm not out of the will of God. I'm not disobeying Him. I'm not rebelling. I'm doing His will. What is the deal? And in Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35, it reads, On the same day, when evening had come, He said to them, that's Jesus, said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. Now, now consider what's happening here. Jesus told the disciples, stay on the shore. Make sure you stay out of the sea, because it's dangerous, right? No, that's not what he told them. He said, get in the boat. He said, let's cross over to the other side. We are going from here to there. So are they in obedience or disobedience? They're doing the will of God. They're doing what the Lord told them to do. The question 
is, well, what's the deal with the storm then? What's the deal with this sudden windstorm, which is, as you'll see, a demonic attack? Okay, well, it, it makes me understand that when I'm doing the will of God for my life, I shouldn't be surprised if there is opposition. I shouldn't be taken back. I shouldn't throw up my hands and freak out and say, What in the world is going on? Lord, I'm doing what you told me to do. Why is all hell breaking loose in my life? It was for them too. They weren't disobeying the Lord. They were in perfect obedience. And this is a real, a real experience for, for, for us. One reason, now I can see here, one reason that this storm came, this attack came to their life to threaten their, their, their life was because of what was about to happen when they got to the other side. When you read the whole story, the other side of the Sea of Galilee, there was the land of the Gadarenes. And there was a dude there. Really, there was two dudes, when you read the different accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, there was a couple of guys lived in the caves, and it highlights the one person who was called the Madman of Gadara. This dude was demon-possessed. He had a bunch of hitchhikers. He's in the caves, living with this dude naked, which is kind of weird, right? He had this strength because of these demons, and, and, and it was a bad, it was a, it was a satanic stronghold. What would you do if you were the devil and you had a stronghold expressing all your evil desire through this person's life being just tormented? And here comes Jesus and the disciples in a boat across the water. You're going to do everything in your power to try to stop it. And he was able to cause and, and attack through this windstorm to try to keep his stronghold there. So I wonder sometimes if we're not aware we're doing the will of God, best we know, following the Lord's plan. And this storm arises. Well, what's coming up next? What are you heading into that is about to be a great victory for you, for someone else? Someone else is about to be set free. And we're thinking, oh God, why are you letting this happen? God's not letting it happen. It has nothing to do with Him. There is opposition to your life because God has an amazing plan for good and not for evil. And so we don't freak out. We, rec we almost recognize, you know, I, wasn't, I didn't want this, didn't necessarily expect it, but I'm totally not surprised that there's, uh, that, you know, there's a problem here. Everybody okay? They not only, meaning these attacks, can not only happen while doing the will of God, but sometimes because we're doing the will of God. Because we're doing it. So I'm not going to do it then you'll have other problems to deal with. <laughs> You're in a different category. If I'm experiencing opposition and trial and test because I'm doing the will of God, you know what I also know? That I have the grace and God's Word to put me over in this situation. That if I will handle the situation properly, I'm coming out victorious and the devil's going to lose more than ever before. So when I'm doing the right thing, I'm definitely going to overcome. Now listen, in heaven, something I'm totally convinced we'll have knowledge of and conversations with people about, we will meet people, some of them we knew down here, and they arrived in heaven kind of ahead of schedule because 
they went the wrong way, they did the wrong thing, they disobeyed God, they didn't heed His warnings, they didn't follow His plan, they did their own thing, and they were taken out early. Now they're in heaven, everything's cool, everything's good, but they got there early because of that. And you know what else? I believe we'll meet others who were doing the will of God. They were not in disobedience. They were, their heart was right with God, but they did not know how to deal with the attack. And the attack literally took them out early. They didn't lose the war because they were in heaven. But they went a little bit early because they did not know how to respond to this type of situation. And that's why it's important that we do know how to respond so we can live long and fulfill God's plan for our lives. Amen. You might recall that the teaching of Jesus where he taught about the, the parable, we call it the parable of the sower. He said the seed is the word of God and it will be planted in your heart and there are different types of heart conditions likened unto soil and, and so forth. And, and one of the things that Jesus taught in that parable was that when the word of God is sown, it's in Mark 4.17, he said tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake. And immediate, immediately they stumble. Why does tribulation and persecution arise? Notice, for the word's sake. Because of the word that goes out and gets sown into your heart, there's going to be opposition to you to try to keep it from being implanted and producing fruit. In, in other words, you, full of God's word, are dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. When you let God's Word get planted in you, it will create in you something that is outstanding and amazing and a major headache to the devil. So what's he going to keep you, you, you from doing? He's going to try to distract. He's going to try to do a number of things to get that Word out. And some of it's called tribulation or persecution. Opposition to you to freak out to throw up your hands, to throw in the towel, to give up, to doubt, to question what God is even doing. He's coming after the Word in you. And so again, if I'm putting the Word in me, I'm in a service like this, getting the Word of God implanted into my heart, I shouldn't be surprised if there's opposition. But I know that I'm going to overcome. Let's go on reading. Oh, by the way, do you know when Jesus taught that, that, that parable? Do you know when? right before this storm. It was the teaching right before they got in the boat and went to the other side that when the word goes out, there's going to be opposition to you to try to get it out of you. And now it's happening right before their eyes. Let's keep reading verse 38, Mark 4, 38. But he, again, Jesus, was, was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace! Be still! And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who, is, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So look at the answer, the solution to this type of problem in life. This type of satanic attack. This opposition, the, the correct response in this kind of scenario is to rebuke the storm. It is to speak peace 
into the storm. Amen. Now watch. I know we sing those songs sometimes about, Lord, we did it today about bringing it all to peace. You know, He doesn't actually bring it to peace until you say something. He wants to bring it all to peace and whatever those words are. But He does it at your command. Now hold on to that thought. We must speak to the storm. Say, well, do we have to? Can't we just pray and ask the Father to do it? Why couldn't Jesus do that? I think if Jesus Himself had to rise up and speak to the storm, how much more do you and I need to do that? Are we somehow better than Him? Are we somehow more spiritual? Are we in a position where we can just say, Father, take it all. You're, you've got control. You take care of it all. No, if Jesus had to rise up in the middle of his nap <laughs> and speak to the problem and command the storm, peace be still, how much more do you and I need to do that? I'm telling you, this is an essential response to this type of problem. Let me remind you of a very popular verse that Jesus spoke. It's in Mark chapter 11 and verse 23. Look at this on the screen. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Notice the language. The person speaks. You get what the person says, not what God says, what the person says. What's, what happens to the mountain? Whatever you say is going to happen to the mountain, not whatever God says is going to happen to the mountain. Our voice is required in order for us to overcome in these situations. There was a guy, uh, a minister, man of God who's in heaven now named uh, uh, Norval Hayes. And uh, he had uh, uh, quite a ministry. But years ago, his, uh, he said his daughter had all these growths on her skin. She had, he said in her, she had the ugliest skin in her high school. These growths on her hands and on her skin, they would crack open. And, and it was just, he said it was just ugly and nasty. And of course, she hated it. He hated it as her father. He's praying about it. He's praying. He knows Jesus is a healer. Uh, he's praying. He said, I prayed for three years about my daughter's getting healed from all the gross all over her skin. And he didn't see any results. He said, so I stopped. And that's, by the way, that's a good idea. He said, I changed. He said, I started asking the Lord, what's wrong? I started seeking Him as to what I was doing wrong. What's the reason for this? What's the problem here? Why isn't she being healed? And he said, I sought the Lord and I prayed. He said, I sought the Lord for another seven months. Seven months he sought the answer while his daughter got all this problem. And he said, one day I was walking across the living room. He got walked across the living room. He said, all of a sudden in the middle of it, I was caught up in a cloud. He said, I left, I left there and was caught up to where God is. He said, I didn't see anything, but the Lord spoke to me in that place. And the Lord spoke to me very loud and sternly. He said, how long are you going to put up with those growths on your daughter's body? And he stuttered and stammered and was shocked at that response. <laughs> and the Lord told him, He said, if you will rebuke those like I did to the fig tree, they'll leave her body. And he came back 
went to work. He said, I came back in, I came back in my body and I spoke up and I said, I rebuke you, you, uh, Gross. I rebuke you, devil. I command you to go. I resist this in Jesus' name. He said, I did that for 40 days and refused to doubt. One day, his daughter's in her bedroom hanging up her dresses in her closet. He said she was grabbing, you know, from the laundry and hanging things up and hanging, thing, and hanging stuff up. And, and, and she grabbed another dress and hang it up. And she looked at her and she, she said she yelled out. Because her hands were all new. She got new skin all over her body. Just like that. Because he knew how to deal with this attack now. And he refused to doubt. And spoke to the mountain like Jesus how he cursed the fig tree. Like Jesus how he spoke to the storm. Amen. I want you to consider this for a moment. Now, this is a strong saying, especially if you've been taught a certain way, you could misunderstand what I'm saying, so I'm going to encourage you not to. <laughs> but God will do whatever you say. He's listening to your faith so He can move. Now here's why I, here's why I preface that. Some, just, some, some of you just heard, you heard, oh, they teach we're supposed to demand that God do what we want. That's not even close to what I said. That's not even close to what I'm implying. I'm saying God is here waiting to bless, to move, to take mountains and throw them into the sea, to stop windstorms, to cause fevers and growths and all these things to leave. He's there ever present and willing to help those for whom Jesus died, those whom He loves so much. But part of the way that He set up His kingdom and He's designed this is that we would work in cooperation. And when Jesus handed over to us the keys to the church, the authority in this earth, now He needs your voice. He needs your command of faith. He needs you to speak to the situation. And when you do, He steps into gear, goes into motion, and does amazing things. Hallelujah. I remember uh, several years back, I was conducting a healing service in, uh, in, here. You know, Wednesday night healing meeting that we do monthly. And as I was teaching that night, I was teaching along these lines, Mark eleven twenty three, and talking about speaking to your mountain and so forth. You know, how Jesus rebuked the fever in, in, in Peter's mother-in-law. Didn't pray for her. He said he rebuked the fever. Apparently the fever hurt him and it left. And I was teaching along those lines, and, and, and normally, we, you know, we have people come, come up and we lay hands on them according to Mark 16, 18, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, we do that, and we were doing that that evening, but I said, listen, tonight, uh, what I want you to do is before I lay hands on you, I want you to speak to your own mountain. I want it to hear your own voice. You have authority in your body, in your life, I want you to resist it, I want you to speak to it. And so we did that. I'd stand in front of someone, and I'd wait. And, uh, and they did, and we did, and God did great things. But one of the things I learned is I was a little bit surprised at how weak people were in that exercise. It almost seemed to me like, these people don't do this very often. This is kind of a new experience because they kind of... It was kind of weak. I mean, if, they, if a cat ran in their, back, in their house through the back door, they would be much more aggressive. 
You know, the count, who are you? You can't come in here. Get! But the devil comes and messes with their kids. And the devil comes putting stuff in their body and lying to them and bringing fear and despair and discouragement and... And I think there needs to be something on the inside of us that rises up and says, Absolutely not! Not going to permit this or allow this any longer. I don't mean that the devil is afraid of a loud voice, but I'm talking about conviction on the inside. That says, this is who I am. This is who my God is. This is what that name represents. And absolutely not, devil. You've got to be kidding me. You're out of here. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And I thought, I thought, how many Christians don't really know this or don't really practice it? Because that didn't sound like the voice of experience. Everybody okay today? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> let, me give you another, let me give you another verse. And then we're going to practice. Want to practice today? <laughs> uh, I'll just, for time's sake, this is John 14, verse 12. This is Jesus speaking, red letter guy. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, Will he do also? Any believers in Jesus? That's talking about us then. And greater works than these he will do. Who will do? The believer. Because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will will do it. Now this is interesting, the way this is written, because it almost sounds like, doesn't say it directly, but it almost sounds like you're asking Jesus to do something, but we know He taught elsewhere that we wouldn't ask Him. We don't pray to Jesus. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. So it almost seems like, what's going on here? But if you look up that word ask, Strong's you know, Greek concordance says this about the word ask, it says it is a demand for something due. Jesus is not saying here, you're going to do great works that I do and greater works than these and whatever you ask me, I'll do. He said, he's saying, you're going to do greater works than me and whatever you demand, I will do it. Now here's where people will take that wrong now again. They'll say, oh, we're, to, we're demanding God now, are we? That's not what I said. That's not what he said. That's not what Jesus did to the storm, the mountain, the fig tree, the fever. It's not about us demanding God do something. It's about us taking our rightful position and saying, I'm not going to permit this to stay in my family, in my life, in my body. I will not allow it in his name. See, I don't have the ability to move a mountain or calm a storm or heal a fly's wing or a gnat's eyeball. I, I don't have any ability to do that. But when I speak the word of the Lord and I do what He told me to do, God is standing there ready to make it happen. Waiting on you and me to use our voice in this earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so whatever you demand in my name, Jesus is saying, I'm going to do it. I've been wanting to do it. I've been thinking, out of my body. You're not permitted to stay. I resist you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You go from me. Hallelujah. See, that's kind of how that looks. Right? 
So, you know, we're doing the curls. Now let's go work out. Maybe we'll do some, you know, some triceps or something. How about fear? What about fear? Say it out loud with me. Say fear. fear. I, resist I resist you. You cannot stay. You will not stay in my life. I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Get out. Huh. Yeah. Say, is it really afraid of us? When we come in his name, he, it is. In his name. Amen. What else? What else? What else needs to go? Anxiety. What? Pain. What? Doubt. What else? Heard something over there. Poverty over there. Heard another good one over here. Addiction. Yeah. You ready? Well, let's do that one. Say it out loud. Say addiction. I rebuke you. Get out of my life. You have no power in me. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Get! So what's happening? The Lord Himself is there manifesting His healing power. Manifesting these things. Amen. Amen. What's another one? I forgot them already. Poverty. Anxiety. Say it out loud. Say poverty. I rebuke you. You're a curse, and I am blessed. Get off my finances. Get out of my job. You cannot stay in Jesus' name. Say anxiety. I resist you. Get out of my mind. Get out of my heart. You cannot stay. I resist you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. The Lord is good. The Lord. Is, let's just do that one pain. Let's do that. That's kind of a general one. Someone said that pain because that can affect a lot of things. Uh, it's for practice. You may not have any pain, but if you do, get ready. It hears your voice and respects your voice. Say it out loud. Pain. I resist you. Get out of my body. Leave me now. You're not permitted to stay. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Get. Hallelujah. Say, what do I do after that? You just say, thank you, Father. Oh, I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. You're so good to me. You're so wonderful. Thank you. You're so gracious and kind. Hallelujah. Have some conviction in your voice. Come on, know who you are and what God has authorized you to do. Not every problem in life needs this response, but a whole bunch of them do. Someone said, well, what does God allow? I like to ask this question, what do you allow? What am I allowing in my life that has nothing to do with God allowing it? What if the disciples in this middle of this storm started repenting of their sins? Well, they would have drowned <laughs> and gone into, into glory forgiven. <laughs> and that's very important, of course, but I'd rather live out my life. <laughs> huh? So in that situation, they didn't need to repent. What if Jonah, from a, a couple weeks ago, what if Jonah spoke to the storm and rebuked it like Jesus did? 
it wouldn't have worked. That storm wasn't a result of Jonah's lack of authority or confidence or faith in God. His storm, his problem was a result of him doing opposite of what God told him to do. Different situation, different response. When we know, then we're not rebuking when we should repent, and we're not repenting when we should rebuke. Amen. Let's refuse to doubt. Just choose to believe and fight the good fight of faith. Never going to give up. Never going to quit. Amen.